this is what disgust looks like. It's the um, nose that's wrinkled, uh, the upper lip that's raised. It comes with uh, the hand gestures of um, putting your fingers in your mouth, gagging, all the things that, that show a repulsion. It's the things that make it visible by those things that we're disgusted by. Like finding a dead animal at the end of the street in your driveway. Or seeing the fellow who comes and, and picks it up and then eats a sandwich in his other hand. Or the waiter who waits on your table and brings you a glass and sets it down and you see fingerprints all over it. The stuff that we look at and we just want to gag. Like eating peas. Sorry, that's just one of mine. Or standing in line at, a, at the bank when you're standing behind or in front of somebody that you can pretty much tell hasn't bathed in a very long time. And that's, that's not to speak about the other things. Uh, the crude things that people say that we just look at and, and we want to scream, that's so disgusting. Or the activities that people engage in that are morally deprived. The cruelties that others treat one another with. Cicero said that, that there is a fine line between one person's pleasure and another person's disgust. In its uh, most basic terms, uh, disgust is defined this way. Um, a feeling of revulsion, loathing, or nausea aroused by something unpleasant or offensive. We all know what that is. The, the interesting thing about disgust is just the, the, the visceral reaction it gives us in, in our stomach at the very thought of something. Watching somebody... Have you ever watched those reality shows where people will eat these big cockroaches? Oh, yeah. I mean, gross. Or the thought of somebody who works for a deodorant company who goes around sniffing people's underarms. I mean, who would sign up for a job like that? Disgusting. I mean, the bathroom when your father gets out and... <laughs> And you think, what is up with that? I mean, the crude sounds your kids make that they think are cute while you've got family members coming to visit and, and you think, you guys are so disgusting. We know uh, what it feels like. We know what it smells like. It's interesting. Um, a, a researcher by the name of uh, Martha Nussenbaum who wrote a book called... Um, Disgust to Humanity says that 
disgust isn't something that's really real. In fact, she says that it's, if anything, it's a part of being inhuman as we make our way to full humanity. Uh, she says that uh, disgust is just a stage from immaturity to maturity. And I would agree with her at one point. In our culture today, yeah, I would agree that we are moving away from disgust to acceptance and even celebration of things that before we would find revolting. And yet, you can't get away from it. I mean, even if she talks about it, you can feel the disgust she has for people who are disgusted. You can't get away from it because it's an emotion. It's an emotion that has been given to us. And even the thought of trying to get away from disgust means I would have to become disgusted with disgust in order to want to get away from it. It's an emotion and it's real because it's an emotion that has been given to us by God. It's interesting when you look at the scriptures and you can see God at different points getting disgusted. Jesus getting disgusted with the unbelief. The apostles shaking off their, the dust off of their feet for those who won't listen. It's an emotion that God gives to us because, believe it or not, it does have an upside to it. Because it's disgust that actually can motivate us. It's what motivates men when they go into battle. The thought of being a coward, just quaking in some corner, is too disgusting for them. Uh, the motivation that you see with a mother who would be too disgusted even the notion of just abandoning her children on some street corner. The disgust that we encounter when we see other people doing things that are harmful that we would never want to do. It's an emotion that God gives us because it's an emotion that helps save us from ourselves. This morning, as we continue our series looking on emotions, you know, what do we do with them? We're going to look at the emotion of disgust and we're going to look at what is it that disgusts God? I mean, what's the purpose for it? Because we've said that all emotions are not only given to us, but they are emotions that God himself has because he created us in his image therefore we have those same attributes what is it that disgusts God what is it that grosses out God because when it comes to our problem with disgust our problem is usually this 
we're disgusted by the things that we really shouldn't be. And not disgusted by the things that we should be. And that's the problem. And that's the problem that we see addressed in the scriptures. That's the problem that we see Jesus speaking to. This morning, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 3. Um, let me give you a little background. The first two chapters, or excuse me, uh, chapter 2 through 3 in the book of Revelation, God is speaking to the churches. And he's speaking to seven particular churches. And the reason he's speaking to them is because they are going through a time of persecution. They're going through a time in which they're being pressured and they're being closed in on and they're being forced to just concede and be molded into the way of the culture. To move from what is disgusting to God to what is acceptable to them. And so God speaks to these churches to basically say, look, if you want to survive in the midst of oppression, if you want to survive in the midst of misuse, it's not by just complying with the world. That if you want to live a life that is beneficial and that is powerful, it has to be by complying with what I say and not with what you hear from those around you. And so as God speaks to the seven churches, he says different things to each church. We come to the last church that he speaks to, and it's the church of Laodicea. And we pick it up in verse 14. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, these are the words of the amen. These are the words of God. And that term is particularly used because he wants to make it clear. These are the words of the one who has the final say. These are the words of the one who created in the beginning and the one who will judge in the end. These are the ones, the words of the one who is the real stockholder in everything. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Faithful and true witness, the one who knows what is right, what is true, and what is good. And also knows that what is wrong and what is evil what is reprehensible and disgusting before him. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, excuse me, neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Why would God spit them out of their mouth because they're not hot or cold. Well, it's interesting, in the lay of the land of Laodicea, they would have these aqueducts in order to get water. 
But it would come from such great distances that oftentimes with the heat and the seasons, uh, the water that they received would be tepid. In fact, it, it, would, it would be stale and it would be foul smelling. And God uses these words because they match their culture. And he says to them, you're neither hot nor cold and I wish you were one or the other because I just want to spit you out of my mouth. Yeah, You ever think about that? That there are times in heaven that God watches us and, and it just gags? I mean, he just, he just says, I, I, I just almost threw up in my mouth. I can't believe what you just did. I, I can't fathom you would say something like that. I, I can't believe you would act like that, that you would treat somebody like that. We don't have, see, that's the problem and, and, and the purpose of this series is we don't value emotions. We don't value ours and we don't value the fact that God has emotions. God is passionate. And yes, there are times that God just gags. And he wants to spit out the things that disgust him, just like I want to spit out peas. And yet, the things that he wants to... Oh, somebody just got a picture of what that looked like. Um, But the things that God speaks about are the real disgusting things. What is it that upsets God so much? That there are people who are living their lives with form over faithfulness. And that's what disgusts them. They live their lives seeking the form of a faith, but not living it, seeking to be faithful. Paul says to Second Timothy, he, he speaks to them and he says to them, that there are those of you who just hold the form of godliness. They're Christian heathens in one sense. They, they speak a good talk and, and they share with a sense of knowing and yet they don't know. They don't walk in that direction. They're hypocrites. When we look at the Bible and we look at Jesus' interaction, particularly with the Pharisees, what disgusts him the most? Those who would claim to have something that is only the form and not the real faith. He says to the people of Laodicea, yeah, I... I see your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were one or the other. Why? Well, I wish you were hot because it would mean you're passionate, that you care. That what matters to me matters to you. 
Or at least I wish you were cold because maybe you could get convicted. But you walk around deceiving yourselves. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. Because these are people who prided themselves. These are people who said, yeah, we believe. We've accepted Christ. And we don't do anything to bother anybody. Because to bother somebody, that's not nice. So we don't bother anybody. We don't upset anybody. We don't ruffle any feathers. We just, we just live our lives having our ticket punched by God and taking care of ourselves. And it, it, it must be God's will because we're successful. We're rich. Our 401ks are doing great. Everything is lined up just right. In fact, amongst our peers, we look pretty impressive. And therefore, that must glorify God because God wants people to be impressed with us because maybe they'll accept Christ and their 401ks will grow and the kingdom will expand. Not on your life. God says, you think you're rich. But you're wretched. You're pitiful and you're poor. You're blind and you're naked. And while you don't discuss the people of the, the earth... You make me want to throw up in my mouth. Because you're everything I didn't want you to be. You've just ended up self-satisfied, non-intrusive Pharisees. Walking around as one of the pretty people. Yeah, maybe not bothering anybody, but you bother me when you don't bother people. And you think you're okay. And and you missed everything I said. Because pretty people don't get their hands dirty. Pretty people have etiquette. They know you you bathe and you take care of yourself. And and being a good steward, you don't you don't risk anything. You're not disgusting. Like maybe a Mother Teresa is disgusting. Who's willing was willing to live in the ghettos and in the sewers of the world, caring for people with all sorts of wretched diseases 
who smelled bad, who had lice and were contagious. And yet, she wasn't disgusted by them. I remember being in China and coming out of, uh, I think it was the Forbidden City, and Steve Abbott can tell you. And when you walk out, because the Chinese government doesn't take care of its poor and its diseased and maimed, when you walk out, it doesn't take more than a minute to literally be surrounded by people with some of the most grossest uh, infirmities, uh, faces that just are filled with, with uh, uh, bruises and, and, and all sorts of uh, distortions coming out of their, you know, and their hands all shriveled up and, and drool, and, and all of a sudden, you're shocked by it. And they're asking you for money. And, and there's, there's that peace in, in your, inside of you that just wants to say, get me out of here. But by the grace of God, you, 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 you're put back right. By the grace of God, there's, there's a correction that takes place. Because that's what God has discussed for. The takeaway in all of this uh, is this. That disgust is is meant to trigger correction in order to maintain connection with him. Real disgust triggers us to correct. It says to me when I'm in China surrounded like correct. Don't be disgusted by what you see. Be disgusted by what you're feeling and what your flesh tells you you want to do. Disgust of this world just wants you to correct and ruin any connection you have with God or with others in need. In this world, it said, don't hang out with people who, who can't do anything for you. Don't have people in your nice new car who smell bad. Don't give when there's no investment. And see, all of that just disgusts God. Because at the end of the day, God did one of the most disgusting things in this world. He put on the likeness of a human being and became one of us. He put away all of his majesty and glory. He used his power only to heal. And he went to the lepers 
and he went to the prostitutes and he went to the tax collectors. He went to all those people that the world said, these are disgusting people, stay away from them. And that's where he went and he became disgusting in the world's eyes. The people of the religious system looked at him and said, if you're going to act like that, you can't be one of us. Because that's just disgusting. And Jesus was disgusted by them. Can you put that back up? But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solved to put on your eyes so you can see. Now, he's using, it's interesting, he's using all the things of Laodicea because they were known for making this great black cloth. They were known for producing this salve for people's eyes to heal. They were, they were known uh, for having uh, gold and riches as a community. And Jesus said, no. Go sell that and I'll give you real gold. I'll give you the rewards that don't perish. I'll give you a sob for your eyes so that you can finally see again. I'll give you a white clothing to wrap yourself in. The clothing of my glory. It's amazing how quickly we can get off track, isn't it? how we can let the culture lead us in any direction so that we won't speak, we won't act, we won't stand, we won't fight, but we'll just comply. We'll just look at what is considered, considered acceptable to the world and will become it thinking that God will be glorified in that. And evil takes over. I was, and I don't have it up there, I was listening, reading a quote by Goebbels who was the propaganda magnet for Hitler who was responsible in part with Himmler to just exterminate the Jews and the propaganda he used against them, describing them as an infestation, as rats that were destroying the fabric of the nation, dehumanizing them so that people would become disgusted by them. In the French Revolution, uh, Marcel decided did the same thing. He so demonized his enemies that he would rape their wives and do horrible things to their daughters. That he would decapitate the children of his enemies in front of them and they, 
had so gotten twisted in their thinking that they thought that, that there was virtue in these things. That somehow bad was good and good was bad and it all depends what side you're on. See, that's the problem of this world. We can begin to drift into accepting the disgusting things that this world says are okay. And we make no impact, no difference, and we allow horrible, even atrocities to happen. And God looks at us and says, this is not what I died for. This is not who I meant you to be. This is not what I've called you to be. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, with that person, and they with me. In other words, if you just are willing to turn around, if you're willing to become disgusted by the things that I become disgusted by, if you're willing for correction, you'll be able to regain it and maintain connection with me. Let me ask you, Do you ever think, boy, if God could see what I'm doing right now, he'd be disgusted. If God could hear what I'm saying right now, he'd be disgusted. It's a good thing he can't see, huh? Good thing he's a little deaf. Because we live like that, we believe like that, and that's so disgusting to God. The creator having his creation trying to fool him. Because he loves us. And he wants more for us. His desire is not to be disgusted by us, but to delight in us. So how do we fight against it? Let me give you a, a little bit of help. Number one, going where you don't want to. Going to places that you don't want to go, but you know you need to go. Maybe it's visiting somebody who's, who's sick or going to somebody's home and you think, God, it smells bad in there. And I really don't want to. But I know if I don't, that's a mentality that's just disgusting to God. That somehow my depraved nature is better than their odor. Number two, giving when you're not asked to. State of New Hampshire, cheapest people in the world, congratulations. 
I mean, we are. That's what all the studies say. Won't give unless you ask, and if you ask, we don't really hear. Our state motto. You think being cheap is impressive to God? No. It's a message to God, God, I gotta take care of myself because you're not going to. I love you, but I don't trust you. You wanna be a delight instead of a disgust? Give when you're not asked to. When you see a need and you know you've got, give it. You're risking nothing because maybe you've forgotten, but everything you have comes from him and can be taken just as quickly. Number three, saying what is hard to. Saying and speaking words that are hard to say and speak. In our culture today, if you call something disgusting that our culture says is acceptable, then you're just rude and crude and hostile and intolerant and you're disgusting. You're like the vermin of the Jews to Hitler. Now you say, that's a disgusting thing to say. How can, what? But what is disgusting to this world very well could be acceptable to God. As long as we're not disgusting in how we speak what's hard to say. We don't go and make pronouncements on anyone. We don't go around mocking or belittling what people do. But when we're asked to give a defense, we give it. When we're asked to what we think, we say it. When we have an opportunity to vote, we take it. When we're one-on-one with someone we love, we speak it. And we say to them, I understand your pain and I understand how you can think that way. And yet, it's wrong. It's wrong before God. Homosexual lifestyle, it's wrong. Not because I'm a homophobic, it's because I know how God thinks about this. I've I've read Romans 1 and I know it's disgusting to God because it's taking his creation and it's turning it upside down. It's taking how he made a man and a woman and, he's, and we're making women out of men and men out of women and, and they don't know who they are and, and they're going to get further away from him and, and that's disgusting. It's not the physical act of it. It's the affront to God that makes it disgusting. 
It's a person who's willing to abort a baby because it's not convenient or that it might impinge upon their, their pocketbooks or they just won't look good in a bikini. That's disgusting to God. It's folks who say it's, it's okay to live together. You don't need a piece of paper and stay as long as you're happy. And it doesn't matter whether you're holy. That's disgusting to God. Why? Because, because God is just this narrow-minded person? Yes. Narrow-minded in the sense of, I want you to be holy because then you'll be healthy and you'll be happy and you won't end up on the other side of engaging in something disgusting and feel disgusting and believe that you're no greater than your shame. Number four, the willingness to stand where it's not safe to stand. The willingness to make a stand and know this could cost me. Cost me my job. It could cost me my friends, my neighbors. It could cost me my loved ones, my spouse. But I make a stand, I say this is what I do and this is what I don't do and I can do no other because it's an offense to God and I'm not looking to be offensive. The fifth and last. Believing what others refuse to believe. What is it that God brings God delight when we believe and we believe what we believe? And we believe what we believe because we behave it. There's a great, great movie, as far as I'm concerned, just came out recently. We're going to try to show it here. It's called Silence. And it's, it's about these two Catholic priests who go to Japan during a time of incredible persecution. to look for a fellow priest who has recanted his faith. And I won't get into all the movie, but there's, there's this one guy in the movie who is just so much me. Um, and his disgusting fears, maybe so much you too, he runs around professing the faith, but every time they capture him and get and force him to recant, he's the first one who recants. And I do that when I don't behave like I should. And I discuss God all over again, but then I swear I won't do it again. And I love what he says. This is so precious. He gets really upset and he says, I should have been born 
20 years ago when there was no persecution. It's not fair. I should have been born when it was easy to do this stuff, not when it's hard. And man, that resonates with me. Yeah, you know, bring back the 50s when, you know, you didn't, even, you didn't have to ask people to come to church. They just came. They gave. It's part of what they did. You were a pastor. Everybody thought you were cool. Now nobody wants to talk to you. Willingness to believe, which means to risk everything, because that's what faith is. It's, it's the willingness to believe what, what others can't see, but God has shown you, and to act on what you believe. See, here's the deal. You can go home and you can cringe at your peas and it's okay. Yeah, they are good and they've been given to God, but God has given us a variety of other green vegetables. <laughs> You're a young boy or a young girl and, and, and the opposite sex are cooties to you and discuss, you're right, stay away from them. <laughs> But at the end of the day, will we be disgusted by the things that God are disgusted by? Will we not be people where form overtakes faithfulness? Will we look good but there's nothing there but an empty suit, an empty dress? Will we be people who are willing to stand and to speak, to care, to give, to do all those things that we know this brings pleasure to God, even though it might disgust the world around me? Because if you can do that, then you can know that that's knocking at the door of Christ. That's accepting the invitation to come in and have connection with him. That's what it means to be at the table of the creator when you're just the lowly creation and know that you matter and that you are loved. Know how, no matter how much others might find you to be even disgusting. Let's pray.